Broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And for the second time in two seasons, the Green Bay Packers uh, season has been bookended by losses to the San Francisco 49ers. This latest one coming, uh, an ice bowl two, I guess some people are dubbing it, Sunday night at Lambeau Field as the Green Bay Packers fell by a final score of 23-20 to on a last-second field goal. And certainly, being the end of the season, there's a lot of reflection that we can do and uh, look back on this game especially. But, uh, Matt, I wanted to bring you in here because this is certainly a unique ending to a unique season. And uh, usually, I feel like I've said this in the last couple of weeks, uh, usually I try to frame how we start debating about this. But I really, even after three days, I'm not sure how I feel about this loss. Yeah, you know, I'm not really either, and it was really a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I, I mean, if you watch the game, it really didn't feel that close, but it comes right down to it, and we're tied. So, I I don't know. I don't know who to put the blame on. I mean, the offense wasn't awful. The defense wasn't as bad as they've been, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you only gave up 23 points. I, I think had you told me that going in, I thought they'd have a pretty good chance, but... Um, you know, you lose on a last last minute drive just to get a field goal, which which hurts when you know you can't have a rebuttal right after that. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not you know specifically angry at one particular thing. It it hurts to lose a game like that, but I I don't know where to point the blame exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I guess to start, it definitely hurts to lose a game, and it's always disappointing uh, when the season is over. And if one thing I can take comfort in, regardless of how we felt on the overall season. This year, I think I kind of proved to myself my Packers fandom because it was a weird year, but I still got excited to watch Matt Flynn play the Falcons when I thought there was no chance. And when they were getting crushed by the Cowboys, I didn't get discouraged like I normally did. I just kept watching the game, and I was able to see one of the best games ever, and I... I didn't get that discouraged when they lost to Pittsburgh. I said, "Oh shoot, I guess this run is over." It 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 I still having this season be done. It was exhausting at times and part of me was a little relieved that the season was over after they lost. But, you know, it it still always sucks when uh, there's not a game on Sunday. Yeah, it it does stink. I mean, when they were looking like they were going to make this a contest all of a sudden and then you you know that they're going to get Carolina next week and you might like your chances <laughs> in that. I mean, this whole season, I mean, with or without Rodgers, we knew this team wasn't great, but they kind of give you hope right at the end there. And mm-hmm. um, we talked about it before the game that, you know, when they lose this game or if they lose this game, you know, we'll take this probably a lot better than playoff losses in the past. And I definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
after that field goal, you kind of knew it was imminent. You knew he wasn't going to miss it. You're like, well, they made a good run at it. They played a little tougher than I expected. You know, mm-hmm. they played pretty well. Um, but I guess I didn't see this team making a Super Bowl run at this point. Mm-hmm. So um, they fought hard. <laughs> I guess I was kind of okay with that. Yeah, and I agree totally. I've never been so calm during a playoff loss. Yeah. Uh, I I remember texting you, and I wasn't even that angry. I just expected it to happen when the offense went down, didn't get a touchdown, tied it at 20. There was four and a half minutes left. I thought to myself, well, here's how it ends. I mean, th- this this team um, is hasn't been clutch in these situations. San Francisco is the kind of team that can go down on the field on you. Their offense is the kind of offense that will chew up a lot of time, and I just felt, okay, here it is, and then when they got down and they were, Colin Kaepernick made a great play on third and 11, then when they made the field goal, I'm sitting there watching it, it looked like it might drift right, and I, I sat there, I'm like, get right, and it went right through the middle, I'm like, ah, oh, darn, and and that's about all you can do, and this one felt like a bonus, it, it felt yep. like a bonus round more so than any of their previous playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's uh, delve into this a little bit here, and before we kind of go over a grand look at the season, let's start with this game uh, in particular, and trying to assess blame, like you had mentioned before, is very difficult, but I'll just go right into it. Quite frankly, as bad as the defense has been at times, I'm going to echo what I said in 2011, and what I said last year is that I still think that this is a game that was lost by the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Dom's guys did very good. They didn't have Clay Matthews. Uh, they held uh, firm to their season averages for the most part. They allowed about 40 more rushing yards than their season average, but for the most part they held right at their season averages and actually allowed a touchdown, or I'm, I'm sorry, four points less than they allowed all season. The offense, on the other hand, only 157 passing yards, that's over 100 fewer than their season average. 18 first downs, their season average was 21. 280 total yards when their season average was 400 even and only scored 20 points, which is nearly a full touchdown below their season average. And to boot, Aaron Rodgers, I know only his second game back, it was brutally cold. You're playing against a real good passing defense. Uh, but his yards per attempt was only 6.8, uh, which is almost two full yards below what his season average was. And, gosh, when you have a bad defense, when you're playing against a team that was four wins better than you, and you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, am I wrong for wanting to expect more than that? No, I don't think so. And it, it's I don't really think it's a thing with Aaron Rodgers. It, it just really seemed like early in the game the play calling was just so conservative that that was the game plan coming in to just hang on and basically just hope you're in the game at the end and hope your defense can do enough. And it actually kind of worked. It was super frustrating at first, and I think I said something to you, but, you know, just take a shot. I mean, if anything, the secondary of that defense is their weakness for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Not that it's bad by any means, but, I mean, their front seven is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just all these dump-offs to Lacey and, and the running backs and the tight ends, it seems like all they were doing for the first you know quarter and a half, and they were down 6 nothing and still in the game somehow. It just seemed like coming in, that's what they wanted to do. They knew it was going to be cold. They knew that defense was good. They just wanted to get yards where they could get them and make an occasional big play. And it uh, it held them into the game. But, yeah, you see Aaron Rodgers with 177 yards and, you know, not super impressive numbers, four sacks he took, and it's just, just a really conservative game plan, and, and honestly, it almost paid off, but it, it 
it was kind of frustrating when you only give up 23 points with this offense and still lose. Yeah, and I guess the conservatism, was that due to how they lost earlier in the year and that they thought that given the weather that it was kind of an equalizer a little bit, it yeah. slows the game down, you're, you're an inferior team. I don't think even the most optimistic Packer fans would argue that the Packers were better than San Francisco this year. No. And, you know, when you take in those weather elements, when you kind of shorten the game a little bit in, you know, football theory, that's supposed to be a little bit of an equalizer. And when they got in a track meet earlier this year, they got, they lost. And when they got in a track meet last year, they got run out of California. So right. maybe that was a little bit of a strategy. And you're right, it almost worked. But that's kind of what I found to be most disheartening about this. And, Intellectually, I know that they were inferior to San Francisco. San Francisco probably deserved to win. They were a 12 and 4 team. The Packers needed, you know, the stars to align and a solar eclipse to thread a needle in order to get to the playoffs in the first place. And, but watching these last four games, it's, it's not even like the Dallas thing where Dallas was just better and steamrolled us. I mean, they've lost to San Francisco in kind of a heavyweight knockout fight in week one of 2012. They got blown away in a track meet in the begin or in the postseason of 2012. Then earlier this year, they lost in a very hotly contested shootout, but they lost. And then in a low-scoring, cold defensive battle, they lose again. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the goal of the season is not to beat San Francisco, but they're going to be out there for a while. And part of me is just like, gosh, I mean, I'm not as disheartened as I felt for Dallas because. You know, Dallas was good enough where in the 90s you, you couldn't get around them. And you knew that the Packers were good enough that if Dallas was not there, we'd be winning championships. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that about this Packers 49ers rivalry. And in the nature of the NFL now, you can get around them. But it's just like, what is it going to take to beat these guys? Yeah, I mean, they beat them in every single way, like you said. And, and again, with the, the conservative play calling, I think that maybe the coaches realize that, you know, our offense against their defense isn't as good of a matchup as their offense against our defense. Mm-hmm. So you've got to just limit the possessions they get and just hope for the best, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know San Francisco's not going to make the Super Bowl every year like that Dallas team was. There's so many other good teams in the NFC, and San Francisco certainly isn't more dominant than a lot of those other teams. I mean, mm-hmm. we're probably going to see a different team in the Super Bowl for the next six years. That's just how it's worked. Yeah. So you have a way of getting around them in the playoffs, and you probably won't have to play them every year. But it sure seems like with the current structure of both teams, it almost feels at this point with four straight losses, like how the heck are we ever going to beat this team? Yeah, and I guess... Um... <laughs> The, the kind of silver lining that we've both mentioned is that in the, the modern NFL, you don't have to beat them. Whereas, you know, if you were an NFC team in the early 90s and you couldn't beat Dallas or San Francisco, well, then your season was pointless. Yep. You know, you're not doing anything. Um, I guess, is there anybody in particular you want to single out on uh, offense or defense that we maybe didn't talk about that, I guess, first that you thought was impressive and, and really uh, helped the Packers a lot on Sunday? Well, I guess when you're only gaining, you know, a little over 200 yards, I guess nobody on offense really stood out that much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think. The game feels like it was two weeks ago already yeah. at this point here. I've already put the Packers season behind me a little bit. <laughs> well, um, that's my fault. I was uh, been under the weather this week, so I, we I think, had to um, I think Nick Perry played well. Um, he had a, he had a sack, I think, um, a couple tackles mm-hmm. for losses. I'm just pointing stats now. He also had a, four solo tackles as well. I, I, he's just been seeming like a non 
factor so far since he's been here, and he's been injured so much. But I think he kind of stood out to me and had a pretty good game. And the defensive line as well, they gave up some rushing yards, but they played pretty well overall too. Yeah, I'm going to call out your boy Tremont Williams, and he's really had a revival in the last month and has started to play some real good football. Yeah. Um, maybe not to his his 2010 playoff form, but I think we have to begin to start treating that, that that's Tremont Williams at his absolute peak, and that he's not going to be at that level very often, and thankfully he picked the absolute best time in his career to, to play that well. Yeah, but, three passes to the fence, pretty darn impressive. And um, you it, know, losing. And he had Shields, a great interception too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Losing Shields in that game really hurt. You never know. I mean, something like that could be the difference in a game like that. And mm-hmm. and he's always making big plays, so they could have definitely used him. Sorry, I was drinking water there. I thought you were going to make a longer <laughs> point, but no, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And he really picked up the slack, and he played like the leader that that defense needed without Clay Matthews the last few weeks. Yep. And so I guess. I'm not going to apologize because I do think that uh, he uh, has committed a lot of stupid penalties in the last couple of years and not necessarily played up to uh, to his value with this team. But certainly this last month he, he put it all together and was one of the big reasons that the Packers were able to make their late surge. Absolutely. Uh, anybody that really disappointed you, it, it felt, I don't know, to me, maybe there's somebody that you can think of. Everybody played pretty much how I expected them to play. Yeah. And I, I I can't be all that disappointed with anybody other than maybe the team as a whole just once again seeming to be undisciplined and kind of the sloppy penalties that apparently is a signature of a Mike McCarthy coach team. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I guess Jordy Nelson had a pretty good game, but I think James Jones, I mean, two catches for 20 yards and, and you know, they're your biggest game of the year, and a lot of that has to do with how the offense was being run, but you'd like to see a little bit more than that. Did he drop a deep bomb, or did I imagine that? <laughs> that might just be a memory from games past. I don't. I guess I don't remember it. But, I thought oh, he yeah, had. He did. It was. Yeah. It was a. It was a quite catchable ball. I remember that pass now. Yeah. It was. It was a tough catch, but usually a catch that he makes. Yeah, he uh, Rogers underthrew it because it was a late developing play, and he kind of had a chance to stop and let the defenders go behind him, and then it it hit him in the face. I think. Yeah, yep, I do remember that now. But he had five targets, that being one of them, two catches, 20 yards, an 11 and a 9-yard catch. So uh, not real impressive, I guess. <laughs> uh, whereas on the opposition of that, Randall Cobb, two catches, 51 yards. So mm-hmm. I guess I'd like to see a little bit more out of their playmakers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, San Francisco's got a good defense. And yep. Eddie Lacy had four yards of carry, but his longest rush was eight yards. I mean, that's talk about grinding it out. Yeah, they were pretty much all four yards. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I, I was a little disappointed they didn't give Starks the rock a few more times. He he was running a little bit harder, and I know they don't expect him to, to get the ball maybe when he's in there, but he ran for six yards a pop, and he's been mm-hmm. so explosive all year. It seems like two back formations are or uh, sets are, are working around the NFL, and they just refused to take Lacey off the field, which is understandable, but for a guy who's played so well, you'd like to see Starks in the field a little bit more maybe. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and just, gosh, looking at that stat line again, 31 carries for 124 yards, which is not bad at all, no. um, but <laughs> the long runs were Aaron Rodgers, 9, Lacey, 8, Starks, 10. <laughs> it's like, that, that's a 1976 stat line right there, yeah. just pounding it into a wall 30 times. Um, I guess... Unfortunately, we kind of waited to, to do this show for multiple, uh, for you know, different reasons. But um, 
unfortunately, the game kind of fades from you a couple of days down the road. So I want to apologize that this probably isn't as crisp as some of our other uh, end-of-season shows and some big-game shows. But, man, this this season was just kind of deflating uh, as a whole. Just it expended so much energy, and I almost feel a little lethargic talking about the Packers yeah. now. And Not that I'm even mad at anybody. It's just like... Huh. It was just, especially the last month, was such an emotional roller coaster where it just almost feels kind of nice to be like, okay, we can just 2013's over. No more, <laughs> no more arguing as to what's going on and you know whether they deserve anything or them grabbing victory from the jaws of defeat. It's kind of nice. It's not nice, but I've accepted it, I guess, by Wednesday night. And not that they would ever admit to it, but you kind of wonder if maybe the players are feeling a little bit of that relief, too. I mean, it was just such a weird season, and you're mm-hmm. without Rodgers, and even though he's back, he's only got one game under his belt after the injury. Everybody's hurt. I mean, you always think, as a player on a team, that you have a chance to make a run, but at the same time, I mean, it was just such a weird season. <laughs> you kind of wonder if these guys might just be like, all right, I just can't wait till next season to start, hopefully get everybody back, and kind of mm-hmm. start fresh. Do you think, honestly, they thought that they had what it took to make a run. Oh, I'm sure they did. I mean, they've done it before. They had a lot of guys still from the Super Bowl team. And, you know, as a player, you always think you're the best. So I'm sure that they did. I I know that they knew it was going to be tough, but I'm sure as an NFL player, you pretty much always think. At the beginning of every season, I'm sure every player thinks their team's going to win. So I'm, I'm sure that they thought they had a pretty good chance at making a run. Wow, I, I wish I had that kind of optimism in my own life and career, you know, just, oh yeah, I'll be president soon, you know, just just let me, uh, <laughs> if, if the chips fall my way. Uh, but anyways, um, let's talk about some of the big off-season issues. I've, the Goldies are fast approaching, and so that's when we'll talk kind of the fun recap of the season and we'll give out some nice awards and some rather dubious awards. I know most of the Packers have stayed in town so that they can be nearby when their goldies are mailed. Yep. Uh, so hopefully they don't have to wait too much longer. But let's talk about some of the serious overriding issues, and I think the main one is the future of Dom Capers on this football team. And quite honestly, once the Packers lose in the playoffs, I kind of just check out uh, usually for a few weeks from maybe even sometimes months from Packer news. I still watch all the games. Uh, I still watch the pregame shows of the rest of the playoffs, but I don't really seek out the Packer news. So if something has happened with Capers, I am unaware. Uh, I assume I would have heard uh, something by now, but um, apparently I just Googled him, and Mike McCarthy said today that Dom Capers is an outstanding football coach. Uh. Um, so uh, maybe that shed some light onto the future of Dom Capers. But what do you think will happen, and what do you think should happen? Well, I mean, we've talked about it a hundred times. I mean, we both think that it's time for a change, and we have for the last couple of years, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't see any way that they get rid of him. I mean, he ends the season with a pretty defensive game, and it's it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I've given up hope at this point. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's time for a change. I think the defense is outdated, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Apparently, Dom Capers is only 63, which is not as old. I thought he was older than that, quite frankly. And Dick LeBeau is 76, so get wow. ready for another 13 or 14 years of Dom Capers <laughs> yeah. here in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, it, I, you'd maybe like to see him stick around as like a assistant coach or something. But I mean, get some. 
you see all the teams around the league that are being successful on both sides of the ball. They're these younger guys with fresh ideas and doing different things that haven't been done the same for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I, I'm just so frustrated with this organization as a whole, I think. Um, it, I understand stay the course, but you have to be delusional if you haven't seen or if you don't think that this team has peaked, they're definitely on the backside of a talent cycle. And not that you can't recover it, but when was the last... I guess I don't know. Because now, as I'm saying that, Dom Capers, I would like to see a change in figurehead, but then the same talent is there that makes stupid mistakes and doesn't seem to be very good. I'm to the point where I, I think Dom should go, but I don't have that much confidence in McCarthy and Thompson either. And maybe my expectations are too high, that's fine. But you don't get a lot of Aaron Rodgers is, you know, in, in the lifetime of your franchise. So forgive me if I'm a little bit more, uh, I don't know, reactionary to things that other teams would die to have for problems. And I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but I just feel like I want them to do something, because it just feels like Brett Favre round two, where we saw Brett Favre, you know, one of the greatest players of his generation, an absolutely outstanding quarterback, and young in his career when he wasn't making much money, and they were willing to take chances, they were able to win championships, and they probably should have won another one, maybe could have potentially won two more uh, in that Holmgren era, and then Favre signs his big contract, it limits what you can do in free agency, the draft picks don't start coming in, and now you still have Brett Favre, but all of a sudden you say, oh yeah, Brett, we're, we want you to win the Super Bowl this year, but instead of uh, having Reggie White at your disposal and having Antonio Freeman and Robert Brooks and Dorsey Levins, uh, you have to win now with Corey Bradford and Bill Schrader and uh, Cletus Hunt and Nick Barnett on defense. Um, do something. I mean, <laughs> His, he's 31 at the midway point of next season. Yeah, and, and we've talked about that before. It's so frustrating to know that you know this. You don't want this reign to end with just one Super Bowl when you know how good he is. And I'm very thankful that he got the one. That's for sure. I'm, I'm glad we're not just still scraping for that first one for him. But it, as a fan, it's just it's just so hard to watch things go on around him. And, and we can clearly see from when he was out that the team around him is not very good. Mm-hmm. It, it just it's it's so frustrating when you have an all-time great guy and you just feel like there isn't enough around him to get the job done. And especially when you look at the one that he got, which was super fluky to begin with. But they had... I was looking at this today because that's one of my talking points I have um, next, is dissecting Aaron Rodgers' strange playoff history and what his playoff legacy is right now. Because he's 5-4 and four as a starter. And four of those five wins were in 2010. But at the same time, you're saying, wow, you know, he's not playing that well. You know, he's one in three, or or one in four in the rest of his playoff career with three one and duns in that time period. But he's still the highest rated passer in the history of NFL playoff football. And that just blows my mind. So how, 
what kind of standard are we having here? Yes, you can ask him to do more, and I tried to make the comparison on Sunday to you that he's Steve Young. He's not Steve Young. Steve Young is an 85 passer rating. That's 10 points lower than his career regular season average. Aaron Rodgers is actually only one point lower in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. So that suggests he's doing his part. And maybe watching the games, you'd like him to do a few things more. I had a moment where he had that... uh, escape sack throw to Randall Cobb on that fourth down where I was just so angry that I thought I saw 2011 all over again of him getting sacked on fourth down and literally watching the play I sat there and I said bleep I hate Aaron Rodgers and then one second later I said I love Aaron Rodgers and that's kind (laughs) of you think you would like him to do more but at the same point what more can we expect from him but going back to the point four of his five wins were in 2010 when he had the second-best scoring defense in the NFL. They won, with Aaron Rodgers still playing great, scoring 21 points in two games. Mm -hmm. They would have gotten blown away scoring 21 in the playoffs with any of these other uh, three seasons that we've had, and and 2009 to boot. So I, I, I don't even know if I have a point here other than I don't understand what it's going to take for this team to win another Super Bowl, because if it, if this system is just going to perpetuate, you have to be an idiot to think that 2010 was not the outright fluke, and that 2009, 2011, 2012, and this year are not the norm. Right. Well, and I think the major point is you can't do it alone as a quarterback. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. He only has one Super Bowl and considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You've got to have something else. Maybe not even the number two scoring defense in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but a heck of a lot better than what we've got right now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he could even have a historically great playoffs again, and, you know, they still probably wouldn't have a great chance with the team they currently have constructed, I think. Yeah, and that's the thing, like with, with Peyton Manning, his career playoff passer rating is 88.4. His regular season is 95.7. That's, I, I compiled this list before the season, so I'm sure it's higher now. That's a full seven points lower. Yep. And you expect some regression, and I'll, I'll just reveal these stats that I'm using. I compiled them in the offseason because I was trying to understand Aaron Rodgers' kind of playoffs, uh, history a little bit better, which has now even gotten stranger, that quarterbacks who have thrown at least 200 career pass attempts in the playoffs. Uh, This is since the Super Bowl era. Aaron Rodgers is minus 1.8. His uh, playoff regular season passer rating is a .8 lower than his regular season passer rating. But the average quarterback is 4.5 points lower in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. So he's better than average in the playoffs. He's not Bart Starr or Terry Bradshaw or Troy Aikman where they're like 10 points better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. But he's certainly playing the level of football that got him there. And as history has shown, guys that are worse than him are Roger Staubach and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady. These guys, Steve Young is way below him. Jim Kelly, these are guys who have gone to Super Bowls, some of them multiple Super Bowls, some have won multiple Super Bowls. So that suggests that you don't have to be Superman to win championships, especially if you're already Superman. You just have to maintain your level of play. And he's still losing. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how to fix it, but... That, as a fan and as a person who studies statistics, makes me believe that I will be shocked if they ever win another Super Bowl with this guy as long as McCarthy and Thompson are in charge. 
Well, and also with quarterback ratings too. I mean, a big thing that goes into that is he just doesn't make mistakes. So I mean, he can have you know be slinging it in the regular season, and and he has one huge Atlanta Falcons game that kind of averages everything else out. Mm-hmm. He gets his stats from that game and just doesn't throw picks otherwise. So that's going to make your your quarterback rating look pretty good too. Sure. Um. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe QBR is a better thing to look at. I don't even know what all goes into that, but mm-hmm. it's um. I, I don't know, because you just look at it, and it, there's been so many of these low-scoring games in the playoffs other than that one and the Super Bowl, really, are, I think, are the only two he had really good stat lines in, right? Well, he had three TD passes and no picks against Philly, but it was like okay. something under like 200 yards passing. Sure. If so. they have any other defense in the whole Aaron Rodgers era, other than the 2010 defense, they lose the NFC Championship game, no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, he played horrible in that game. He had like a 55 quarterback rating, and the defense bailed him out. And I guess that's going back to the point. I don't know if it's a Dom problem or if it's a Ted Thompson problem because it's getting to the point now where I kind of want to get rid of Dom Capers. But at the same point, we've had this discussion quite a bit in the second half of the season is what is he supposed to do? I mean, that Colin Kaepernick first down run is exhibit A, that he calls what appeared to be a very intelligent call and the guys mis-execute. And Colin Kaepernick gets a first down. And it's to the point now where you have so many holes on defense and you have so little money that you can't get any effective free agents and you have so many holes that it would be, it seems like it would be a waste anyways. The time to get free agents was after 2011. Yep. And now it's too late. And now what do you do? Do you, do you say, okay, now we're the 2001 Packers, we better hope we can rebuild this thing before our quarterback gets too old to play at his high level in the playoffs anymore? Um, I really, I I don't know. I I'm not making any points here, but I'm just. This is the frustrated fan coming out of me. Yep. They just need more around them. Moral of the story. They just they just need more, and they waited too long mm-hmm. to try to do it. Are these the guys that can give him more though? Well, I mean, they most of it was what they constructed for the the team that won the Super Bowl. I think they they've just they just seem to let everybody walk. Or I mean, obviously you have like the Nick Collins injury that has a huge impact on your defense. But, I mean, you let everybody else go. Colin Jenkins, you know, just some other playmakers. You're letting guys walk and not replacing them with anybody. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I, I think they can, but uh, from the way that they've done things lately, it doesn't look too promising because it, it's all going to be undrafted free agents that we're throwing out there in these holes. So, uh, I, I don't even want to watch 2014, I guess. <laughs> I don't, but... Yeah, and, and the thing that frustrates me the most, and I'm putting ideas in people's heads, but tell me if you think I'm off base here, is that this regime is going to look at this season, and they're going to look at the Dallas game, and they're going to look at the Bears game, and they're going to look at how they had the number five offense in the NFL, with most of the season having Matt Flynn, and, uh, or half the season with Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien playing quarterback, and they're going to say, gosh, what effort, these guys, they just... They just put it all on the line every week. They gutted it out. They clawed back into the race, and then they overstepped the Bears, which is all true. They overcame the worst-case scenario for a Packers season, and that's a significant Aaron Rodgers injury, and we never thought they ha- had it in them. I No, I didn't think they had it in them to overcome a major Aaron Rodgers injury like they did. Mm-hmm. But on the same hand, if you would have gone into 2013 and you say, you're going to go 8-7-1 and one this year, Without explaining the circumstances, that would have been a huge disappointment. 
And this 8-7-1 and one is not them clawing back into place. It's the fact that you basically were in a three-game hole with four to play, and the two teams in front of you collapsed like a, you know, straw house. And they're going to look at this season like a victory and a triumph over their system and their fortitude, when in actuality, the Detroit Lions basically drove to their house and handed them the division. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, Bears and Lions both did that. Yeah. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and like, you said this coaching staff seems to do that with that Ravens game early in the year. That was the best win in the history of the franchise, according to them <laughs> yeah. at the time, too. So, they tend to do that, and I don't know if it's tooting their own horns or maybe just giving the players more confidence, but I, I agree. I mean, it, it definitely was some great moments this year, but overall, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't consider it really a victory of any sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess from a fan standpoint, is this kind of bad season and this regression, I'm almost tempted to say that as frustrating as it is for the state of the Packers going into 2014, that this disaster of a season was worth it just for Dallas and Chicago hmm. as a fan. Because those are two games I'll never forget. They're up there with everything. And who cares that they lost to San Francisco? Who cares how bleak it was in November? Those two games are what you live for as a sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, I mean, you go 8-7-1 and one and you lose in the playoffs, but I don't <laughs> think this team was going to win a Super Bowl anyways had they gone 11-5 and five and made the playoffs. No. So, absolutely. yeah, I mean, yeah, you go through a lot of hard things, and you may not like what you see on the field for some of the games, but, yeah, having those two games in particular, I mean, those were incredible. And it's some of the best moments we've had since the Super Bowl. Probably both of those would be one and two for me at least. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Uh, just... I, just the weirdest year that we've had, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, and maybe we'll touch upon that more in the Goldies, but this is just... I mean, it, I would have had to eat a ton of crow if they would have won the Super Bowl this year just because of how little I've uh, I've expressed my, I guess, frustration with so many crappy Super Bowl teams. And uh, But, gosh, that would have been... Even without that, this has been the most extreme emotional season that yeah. I can recall in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, move on a little bit here. We touched upon a lot of the things. Overall, this was a pretty darn good week of playoff games with two coming down to last-second field goals and just the absolutely wild uh, Colts-Chiefs game. And I guess I'd like to get your comments on that one, Matt. I know we both kind of thought Andy, uh, Andrew Luck, I, I call him Andy Luck all the time now, Andrew Luck... <laughs> was kind of a schlub when he came into the NFL. Not that he was a bad player, but he just... I feel like a bully now. But he kind of has a doofy voice, and he's always grinning and stuff. But, gosh, this guy has turned me into a fan this year. And I still kind of chuckle when you hear him say, yeah, we put it all together, guys, and then kind of smile. But when he recovered that fumble and dove into the end zone, I jumped out of my chair. I was, I just thought it was such a great play. And, and when he threw that touchdown pass to, to Hilton, I mean... Those that's stuff legends are made of. Yeah, and I, I'm going to actually disagree with you here. I've been hearing stuff all week, and I'm not sold yet. I am. I'm not a big fan. I mean, he looks so bad in the first half, and he's done that all season long. I've watched a lot of Colts game, and he just looks so bad the first half. He's and 1993 he Brett Favre. Yeah, he always does turn it on in the second half, um, and I think he's going to end up being a pretty good quarterback. I'm not saying that. I just. Uh, I, it, it almost infuriates me to watch him play because I get so frustrated and I'm like, 
he reminds me of Andy Dalton, but mm-hmm. with maybe a little bit better team around him kind of at this point in his career, which might be unfair because he's had a lot more dramatic victories and, and big plays. But it was just so easy for the taking against that Chiefs defense. I mean, it's not like he made an incredible throw to T.Y. Hilton at the end of the game or anything like that. I don't know. I, I'm i not there yet. I've been, I heard Colin Cowherd's kind of an idiot, if you ask me. But No, not I kind was, of, definitely. I, I was... I heard a, a blurb from him, and he's like, am I crazy that I would take Andrew Luck over Aaron Rodgers right now? Yes, yes you are. Yeah, you are. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not there yet, and I know people overreact after a game like that. But it, mm-hmm. that Chiefs defense was so bad, and he didn't look that good in the first half, so I guess I'm not ready to call him the next coming yet. But mm-hmm. Well, I'm not ready to call him the next coming either. I'm just saying I'm a fan, and if, if, yeah. if one thing what it has done is it's finally made clear to me why so many non-Packer fans were fans of Brett Favre. Whereas we'd sit there and you'd be like, how the hell can you stand this? This idiot just threw our season away. They don't care. If he would have thrown the Colts season away, it still would have been a great game for me. Yep. <laughs> so I think at least he's, I don't think he's in that top echelon yet, but you see flashes of it. But if I was in any kind of hole and he was my quarterback, I would believe he has a chance to bring me out of it. Even if he doesn't, he he's basically young Brett Favre right now, the way he plays. Sure. Um, but if you take him over Aaron Rodgers right now, I want you nowhere near any NFL personnel department. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I guess the other big story, not a lot came out of... It was a good game, but I don't think a lot came out of that New Orleans-Philadelphia game. That seemed like kind of a toss-up, and the fact that New Orleans win won as a six-seed was of no surprise to, I don't think, anyone. The other game was quite a surprise as the Andrew Dalton, or now, see, now I switched him, Andrew <laughs> Dalton, <laughs> that the Andy Dalton-Marvin Lewis tandem in Cincinnati has yet another playoff loss. I've never seen a football team make scoring in the playoffs look like one of the most difficult things humans have ever attempted to do. Yeah. This is like the third straight year. I've heard people saying you gotta get rid of Dalton, you got, you have to get rid of Marv Lewis. I don't know your thoughts on this. I would be immensely frustrated if I was a Cincinnati Bengals fan, but I echo what I said to Jets fans last year who wanted to get rid of Rex Ryan is, remember who you are. Mm -hmm. You're the Bengals. You're not the Packers or the Steelers or the Cowboys. You're Cincinnati. You have sucked for your whole careers. Going to the wild card round every year and losing is better than you've ever been. Tread lightly. (laughs) I was going to say that if you didn't, just because, yeah, that goes exactly along with what you always say. I mean, they are the Bengals, and I've kind of, I was a big Bengals fan when when Dalton got there, and I've kind of slowly stopped cheering for them, just because I can't stand Andy Dalton. And <laughs> I still hate him from the Rose Bowl. Yeah, maybe that's part of it, too, but, and they beat us this year, I mean, that never helps either, but it's just, he's so frustrating to watch, and they always lose in the first round of the playoffs, and everybody always tells me they're good, and I'm just like, you know, prove it. I, I haven't seen it from this team yet. So, I, I mean, I was kind of cheering against them on, mm-hmm. on Sunday, too, or whenever that game was. Uh, yeah, it was mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, yeah, that was I don't a boring know. boring game. Like, yeah, what else are you, what else are you going to do? I mean, you're going to draft somebody who's got got to try to start now next season. Are you going to take a free agent? Who do you got, Josh McCown or something? Yeah. So, I'm. he's probably about as good as you get. But, man, I just I don't like watching the Bengals play. Yeah, they seem like... The team, like, whenever they're not playing, like, or not when they're not playing, but when I'm not watching the game, it seems like every NFL Today update is like a 
80-yard bomb to A.J. Green, yeah. and I'm just like, gosh, I wish I could watch more Bengals games. And then they come on, and it's like a 17-14 to 14 snoozer, and I'm like, get off my TV. So part of me, I don't really like playoff rematches all that much, especially ones that we just saw about a month ago, but I was, I was kind of glad to see San Diego move on, and uh, I'm expecting them to lose to Denver. I don't think Indy's got much of a chance in New England. And while that may be a little bit of a tired matchup, it, it kind of would be nice to see Tom versus Peyton for one more high-stakes AFC Championship game. Sure. And I don't know if we're going to make projections yet, but I think it's, I think we're going to see Colts-Broncos in the uh, AFC Championship game. I just think New England's so banged up. And oh, yeah? I, don't, I just think Indy's a little bit more well-rounded at this point. So I I think that'll be a pretty interesting matchup if that happens, obviously, Peyton having to play the Colts in, mm-hmm. uh, in the AFC Championship game. That'd be pretty fun. Indy's defense is so bad, though. They are pretty bad. Even with the depleted weapons that Brady has, this feels like, especially in the divisional round, which Tom Brady owns the divisional round, he can't seem to do anything past that point these days, but in the divisional round, he's still king, and this feels like a Tom Brady, you know, 27 for 33, 380, and 5 touchdown kind of game to me. Yep, and they better hope that's enough. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's the 8 o'clock night game, so that might be pretty cold. That's uh, true. But I, I guess that ha- didn't affect the 49ers at all. Mm-hmm. On the NFC side, I really don't have any kind of excitement for any of the games. I watched the 10-9 to Carolina-San Francisco game earlier this year, and it was interesting to see two good defenses play, but it wasn't uh, particularly exciting after seeing it for a few quarters, and that New Orleans-Seattle game was about as one-sided a game I've seen between two playoff contenders in a long, long time, and quite frankly, I don't expect it to be all that different. The NFC field now is kind of interesting in that it's sort of what I asked for with teams playing good defense, and now that I have it, it feels like I'm watching a 1980s 49ers-Bears-Giants final where you're like, God, I hope that all of these games aren't 17 to nothing. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts beyond that? Yeah, I, the Saints' offense is the weirdest. I mean, Drew Brees <laughs> throws for like 6 million yards during the regular season, but he, he really tailed off at the end of the year, and against a really bad Eagles defense didn't look very impressive. So I don't know how they outscored the Seahawks' defense. Mm-hmm. I, I am actually looking forward to that 49ers-Carolina game. I think... I love slugfests like that, especially if, you know, if it is a 10-9 game, it's a playoff 10-9 game, so that one point is the difference to go to the NFC Championship game, so Mm -hmm. you see that in the regular season, it's kind of eh, but, you know, in the playoffs, that that could be some of the most intense football there is, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really think we're probably going to see Seattle-San Francisco, and and that will be a good NFC Championship game for sure. No, it won't. They got crushed the two times they've gone up to to Seattle with Kaepernick. They've gotten, and and granted, that usually is when teams rise up, like the Bucks at uh, Philadelphia 10 years ago, but uh, I I think you're right. I think that's what we're going to see, but I don't necessarily want to see it because I, I I have a feeling that San Francisco could get blown out again. Sure. But Harbaugh seems to be the guy that, you know, in the playoffs is just a whole different animal. He kind of has these weird trip-ups in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he just, nobody can seem to out-coach what they do. Yeah, and I don't know, for some reason, I still just don't trust Seattle. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, I, I, I guess I don't fully trust them yet, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if San Francisco goes in there, and win, or even if New Orleans goes in there and wins this weekend, mm-hmm. either. Well, they just don't seem to score that much. Mm-hmm. And they, they can some games, but then other games they'll. Russell Wilson doesn't do absolutely. He does absolutely nothing, and it, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just really, really weird. Yeah. So 
I guess I'm just trying to take a look here at Russell Wilson. He throws for 209 yards a game. I don't really know what that ranks in the league. Probably pretty low. I would think so. Yeah, they just they they rush for a lot of yards, but yeah, last month they've scored 17, 23, 10, and 27. Uh, not exactly blowing anybody out anymore. Uh, they were eighth in the NFL in scoring. They had a really good scoring defense. So I guess we can see uh, what happens. But I don't know. Uh, what are you hoping for uh, the playoffs at this point? Personally, I am I'm not necessarily rooting for them because I don't care that much. But I'm kind of favoring Denver at this point where I would like to see their offense match up against hopefully – one of the three NFC defensive powers in in what would probably be a pretty interesting Super Bowl, but I'm just terrified we're going to end up with like a Colts versus Saints or or Carolina against the Chargers, like some kind of horrible Super Bowl that's just... If Denver doesn't make it this year, anybody who's got this high-powered offense at the expense of a bad defense should just start over immediately. You want Aaron Rodgers for the uh, Carol, or for the San Francisco front seven? I'll give him to you today. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of a stupid fan in the fact that <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help but cheer for the underdog in these games. So I'll probably be rooting for San Diego, Carolina, Indianapolis, and New Orleans. But at the same time, I don't want to see that Super Bowl matchup. Yeah. I guess I just such a short-term like look on these games that I – do want to root for the teams that I want to root for, but then I'm not really happy with the results that I see after that. <laughs> so it's like in like in the NCAA tournament, you're like, yeah, root for the underdogs, but then all of a sudden yeah. you've got Coastal Scar- or Coastal yeah. Florida or whatever it was last year, and then you're like, oh no, no I don't, yeah, don't want to watch, watch that. that game. <laughs> yeah, if it is a you know if it's a Colts Carolina Super Bowl, I'm not all that intrigued, but I'd probably root for those teams all the way to get there. So. Mm. I don't know. I I don't want to cheer for Denver, but yeah, Denver Seattle Super Bowl would be a lot more entertaining than anything else probably. Yeah, case in point last year when I was watching that Baltimore game, I started rooting for Baltimore just that they're the underdog and it was interesting and Denver was such a powerhouse and then once they won, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what a game. That was one of the best playoff games I ever saw." And then I sat there and I'm like, "The AFC title game is going to be New England and Baltimore again." Yuck. Like, "Oh. <laughs> Darn." <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, I guess we'll see what happens. It would be nice to kind of see somebody interesting make it. I don't want to see New England in there or anything. Denver really is the last kind of cachet team left, and, and maybe it would be interesting to see them match up against the, the 49ers. Yep. All right. Um, I guess I really don't have anything else for this week. I know this was maybe the rambliest uh, I've ever been on one of the podcasts, but you know that's what happens when you wait a day and you're on a whole bunch of sinus medication and... All that business. But do we want to make picks for this weekend? Yeah, we can go through them real quick. Okay, I know you said you're AFC, but are you going to stand by uh, the Colts and Broncos as the AFC winners? I will, and I'm actually strangely confident about that. I, okay. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, and then in the other games, I... Just for the I record, think, quick, I think it's going to be uh, New England against Denver, if I didn't make England, that clear Denver. before. Um, I'm... I'm taking Seattle against New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. And then this this Niners-Panthers game, I have no idea. Um, it's a toss-up. I mean, we saw that in the regular season, too. I think I'm taking San Francisco. I think, you know, Kaepernick and Cam Newton's kind of a wash. I think mm-hmm. the defense is kind of a wash, but I'll take Vernon Davis, Frank Gore, Michael Crabtree, Anquan Bolden over um, 
I don't even know if Steve Smith is playing. You got Brandon LaFell, D'Angelo Williams. I'll take the supporting cast for Kaepernick over the Panthers, so I take the Niners. Man, with that Steve Smith and D'Angelo Williams, I mean, 2008 better watch out yep. with, with those with that group right there. I think I'll take Seattle. I don't think New Orleans really even possesses much of a challenge because I maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't see how. Well, now I was about to say I don't see how you can look that bad against Seattle just a few weeks ago and then change it dramatically, but then. A few years ago, we saw the Jets get blown away by New England by six touchdowns and then go in and basically do the opposite and yep. beat the heck out of uh, New England in New England in 2010. So yeah. I'm still reasonably confident that Seattle's going to win. Maybe it'll be a closer and low scoring, but I think Seattle will win. And I think I agree that San Francisco is going to beat Carolina. It was close last time. Um, we'll see, but it... Colin Kaepernick is starting to become one of these people that is not necessarily all that impressive of a regular season quarterback, but just seems to have tremendous poise and make plays in the playoffs. So I think I'll, I'll go with uh, Seattle against San Francisco in the championship game. All right, so that indie game's a difference for us here. I guess it is. Um, I, I, I guess I just don't see what you see. Apparently, um, I mean, whatever, but New England's defense is okay, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it's more of a lack in confidence in New England than okay. it is in a super amount of confidence in Indianapolis. I, I don't know. Yeah, they uh, tenth in the NFL in points allowed, third in points scored. They just—they're one of those teams where if you watch them week in and week out, you're like, "Gosh, they're not very good." And then they're twelve and four every year. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand it. I, I can't even think of a team to necessarily compare them to. Are they like the? Uh, I don't know, are they like Ditka's Bears, <laughs> where they just stink all year, and then when it's all over, you're like, oh, they're 11-5, and five, or they're 12-4. and four. Why? Because they're playing against Lindy Infante's Packers and Ray Perkins' Tampa <laughs> Bay Bucks a bunch of all year. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we ought to end this now. Um, the thing that you have to watch for, I think we sort of alluded to it earlier. I can't remember what we've all talked about at this point. We seem to be jumping all over the place, but... The Goldies are fast approaching again, but this year we need some input. I know we gave out some great Goldies. There were no disputes amongst the Packers. I know uh, uh, James Jones and Randall Cobb and all those guys completely agreed with the decisions we made over who was the team MVP and whatnot. But this year I think we want to share that responsibility, that very important responsibility. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up some polls uh, through Facebook um, and we're going to give you some nominees, and we're going to have some awards, and we're going to have you vote on some of the major awards. And uh, if you have any ideas for an awards with some nominees, let us know this week, and then we'll try to get the polls up next week, and then uh, hopefully we'll have the, the goldies the following week after we know the Super Bowl participants. So keep an eye on that. That's at our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also uh, send us an email at Green and Gold Podcast or well, I can't remember the email address now. No, but no. Um, I think it's Green and Gold Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, otherwise, the easiest way is to just leave a comment under the podcast you're listening to right now, uh, and try to seek it out on iTunes. I, I know we've been having kind of some trouble doing that, but uh, I've got it synced on my phone, and it's kind of cool uh, to have. You can see our logo and everything as it's planned. Although for me, I have several other podcasts that I follow, and not necessarily that. 
I dislike our show, but I'll be going through, and all of a sudden I'll see a new alert next to the podcast. I'm like, oh, cool, one of the podcasts I follow have a, have a new episode, and, and then it's just ours. So, um, but but Good I'm sure. For us there, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we kind of hear the whole thing while we're talking it. That's so. true. And then when I'm talking the way I am today, who wants to listen to that again? But, anyways. Uh, Matt, you got any last thing to add to this horrible ending by me? I got nothing. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So enjoy the divisional round of the playoffs. Chris Berman claims it's the best round in the history, uh, or in the playoffs each year. I tend to disagree, especially now that the Packers are eliminated, but it's still football, and you gotta cherish it. We only have a couple of weeks left. So, for Matt in Eau Claire, I am Eric in Oshkosh. We will talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.